Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where we get together and discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, farming. We talk about stuff that's interesting. We keep it real. And we enjoy ourselves here while we talk about the industry that we know and we love. In this episode, we're going to bring in a bit of agricultural youth. Yes, that's right. It's back to school time. You know that. It's August. It's back to school time. The kids are going back to school at all levels and particularly going back to their agricultural education at the college level. We hear in the industry a lot of times that we need to talk uh, and get young people to come into this industry and we need to recruit young people and we need to you know, recruit the future of, the fu- of this industry. So I decided, wouldn't it be neat with back to school time, look into the future to bring in an agricultural student. I've got Jordan Sills here. You don't know Jordan, but she was my intern two years ago helping me run my business and work here on the farm. She is going to be senior at Purdue University, and she's the next generation of agriculture. So we're going to talk to her about what she sees that maybe we don't see. We're going to get some perspective. We're going to see what they're learning, what maybe they need to learn more of, where they need a little bit of guidance, what things we can as an industry do to foster their growth to make our industry even stronger. So here we are. The business of agriculture is bringing in the future of agriculture. Jordan Sills, welcome to the show. Thanks, Damien. Happy to be here. All right. So tell me about you. Who are you? What do you do now? So like Damien said, I am a senior going to Purdue University to get my agribusiness management degree. I will hopefully receive that degree um, this spring. Okay. So 21 years old, three years down, one more to go. You did a you, you did a hell of a job getting to here. You went to community college, I'm sorry, junior college for your first two years. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I went to Blackhawk East for the first two years of my college education because I was on the livestock judging team there. I received a scholarship after high school and went to Blackhawk for two years. It actually worked out really well for me. I met a lot of really good people and gained some awesome experiences that I would have not been able to gain otherwise. That's awesome. All right, you're from the farm background. I know your parents. You helped me here for a summer. You chose agriculture. Where do you see yourself after school? You're going to stay in the industry, right? For sure. I can't imagine um, working in any other industry than the agriculture industry. I love it because probably, probably because I grew up around it, but also because I see the value in it. After I graduate from Purdue, I will be working hopefully as a territory manager or a sales sales rep for some agriculture company um, and see where that goes eventually. You're done with three years of college. You got your fourth year coming up. What has been the most valuable schooling and what has been the least valuable? What would you say you've gotten the most out of with your education so far? There's a few different um, valuable things that I've gained from school and I guess to start off would be the ag econ classes that I've taken at Purdue University. Those have really opened my eyes to some real world education and how valuable that is. And then along with that, um, I've been a teaching assistant for a sales class. And then, like I said, being on the livestock judging team, being involved in different activities around campus, all of those have really added value to my time in college. And then being able to meet friends and become closer with professors as well. All right. So you were a, uh, you said you're a class assistant or proctor or something for one of your sales classes. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. 
Yeah, so I work with about 200 different kids in a sales and marketing class called AggieCon 331 at Purdue University, taught by Scott Downey. And I help grade papers, help kind of navigate those students through the class and help them better understand the sales process. Well, that helps you become a better salesperson yourself if you teach. If you teach what you've already learned yourself, it makes you stronger. Am I right? That is for sure. I've I realized that th that class has um, shown through in my internship opportunities. Jordan, you're being very political here, and <laughs> you didn't answer least valuable. What part, of, <laughs> what part of your first three years of college are the least valuable? What should we scrap? What are we doing wrong? What should we get rid of? What's no value to you? Well, I like to think that every part of college is valuable, but I didn't particularly love Statistics 301. <laughs> yeah. However, I do like to take those learning opportunities as they come. Uh, I, I did not enjoy Stat 301 either. I have the same degree that you're pursuing. What is happening on college campuses that might be different today than, say, 20 to 30 years ago? I, mean, I, think, I know you're 21, so you're saying, I wasn't in college 20, <laughs> 30 years ago. What do you think? I think that a unique thing that's going on on college campuses right now is the career fairs and how we are able to... Um, go out and meet different industry leaders and people that work for those companies and secure internships and secure jobs in October um, of, of our college careers. Yeah, that's a really good thing. The more industry outreach you can do, we're going to get to that a little bit later on. I think that's all the better. So, <clears throat> so we're listening to the Business of Agriculture podcast here, and I just swallowed a fly. Got Jordan Sills. <laughs> The future of agriculture, we hear this all the time. Hey, we got to make sure that we're bringing in young talent. They are the future of our industry. So I'm doing it. I'm saying, hey, let's talk to the let's talk to the youth. Let's talk to the future. So that's what I've got going on here. And I'm going to move right on into the next aspect of our discussion. I'm willing to say that there's things that we do wrong. But I wonder if in the educational part of it, we're doing things wrong and it's kind of this whole thing. There's always a disconnect between industry and academia. Academia doesn't necessarily suffer if they're doing things wrong. It's not like they lose sales. But I think that in some ways, at the educational level, Jordan, we're doing some things wrong. I'll give you an example. When I was there 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I took a computer science class. At Purdue, Purdue University made me take it, and it was a programming class in basic. It was so far removed from what was happening in industry. Industry needed you to utilize a computer, to utilize the tools. They didn't need you to write software uh, to be in sales or marketing or whatever you know I might have gone into. So what are we, where are we dropping the ball? What's going on at, at the educational level that's not giving you what you need? I think that at the educational level, we need more real-world, hands-on activities. So just sitting in a classroom and having a professor teach, teach and talk to us the whole time doesn't always get the best benefit. But like the class that I TA for, we actually pick a product and sell that product through the semester. So I think adding those real-world real experiences will help our education. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, the more hands-on, the better. And, you know, we're even seeing this. Uh, Mike Rowe goes on, and he, you know, the dirty jobs guy, and says, listen, we need more trade schools. We need more technical training. And that's really kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, we're talking about people that need to know how to get their hands dirty because they've gotten their hands dirty at, at the uh, college or secondary education level. Jordan, you just completed an internship in Idaho for Dow Chemical. Tell me about that. It was a great experience. So being from Indiana originally and then being able to be kind of transplanted for the summer in Idaho was 
something that I will cherish forever because otherwise I would not have been able to have that experience without the internship. Okay. You were in what town in Idaho? Boise. I was living in the capital, which, fun fact, is the fastest growing city in the country at the moment. Okay. Uh, well, it can grow a lot and still not be very <laughs> big. I've been there a number of times. What were you doing? So I was working as a crop protection intern, sales and marketing, um, crop protection with chemicals and uh, herbicides, insecticides, fungicides for different crops. Mostly potatoes, corn, dry beans, sugar beets, onions, but I also worked up in Washington in the Columbia Basin area, and they have over 300 different crops there, so it was a wide variety. It's amazing. I've worked there a number of times. When you go to, say, Washington State, and everybody that lives in the rest of the country might say, oh, Washington State, I'm not sure what they think of. They think of Seattle. They think Mm -hmm. that you throw around fish, and you say, no, 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 there's this entire area in Washington State that's almost like a high desert. There's another part of this state that has uh, hops, and then they have cherry trees, and then they have apples, and then they have dairy. There's a tremendous amount of agriculture in the, that part of the world that most people don't even realize. As you said, there's 300 and some different crops. So you got your hands on a lot of different stuff. You did a lot of potatoes, as our listeners may know, because I've done a ton of potato events. Uh, not enough, by the way. If you're booking, you're planning, if you're planning your potato meeting, for crying out loud, I'm available. Call me. I, anyway, I've done a bunch of potato events. Uh, Idaho number one producer, Washington number two producer. What did you learn about potatoes that you didn't know before other than past the potatoes? Hmm. I didn't realize that there could be volunteer potatoes. So potatoes are just planted, not actually through a seed, right? They're cut in half and put in the ground. So when they harvest those potatoes, all the ones that get left behind create volunteer potatoes, very much like in the Midwest, volunteer corn. So that was interesting. Okay. Chemistry. You handled a lot of different chemistry because there's a lot of different stuff out there. What kind of chemistry did you learn about? What did you learn about, you know, around here we, we, uh, we do our, you know, our, do our glyphosate resistant soybeans and we do our basic stuff for corn and soybeans. What kind of stuff do you see out there that you don't normally see? So in this part of the country, they don't necessarily have weed problems as much as they do pest problems like insects. And so one of the things that I worked on was growing degree days, working with uh, Vidate, which is an insecticide and it also has nematode pressure. So I was working a lot with nematodes. Nematodes. Those are like, okay, horny toads, nematodes. <laughs> what's, a, what's a nematode? For our un-nematode un- educated listener, what's a nematode? So it's... Basically like a little microscopic worm. Okay. And then when you went out there, of course, you had no idea. You're getting thrown into this. You saw a lot of different stuff. What was the most interesting aspect of what you saw? Okay, you've never seen potato potato fields that are like 320 acres. You've never seen that before until now. Right. Okay, what else? Um, Just the variety, not only the variety in crops, but also the variety in how they irrigated and how they um, ran their agriculture businesses out there, the size of the farms. The little amount of resistant weeds was very eye-opening to me in this part of the country as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, anything else you learned? That there are mountains and deserts and irrigation and crops, so it was very cool. Yes. You did an internship last summer, and you did an internship for me two summers ago. So last summer, what would you do? Last summer, I was with Dow AgriSciences once again in northwest Illinois working with corn and soybeans. I had about five different products that I was working with last summer. Um, one, one project in particular was with uh, nitrogen stabilizer and manure. 
I am a big proponent of internships, and uh, I did an internship for DuPont back when I was uh, a, a college student, and I did another internship doing industrial sales. And I believe that we as an industry absolutely have to do more of this. So I'm preaching to you, business of agriculture. I'm preaching to you, potential clients, clients that have hired me, friends, fans, followers. We say all the time, we need folks that know what to do. We need people to enter this industry. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the mis miscommunication out there that they say, oh, agriculture is dying. Agriculture is not dying at all. There's less farmers because they're able to be more productive with the amount of equipment they have. We still need lots of people to sell the seed, to handle the product, to process the food. Bring in more interns. Cost you a few thousand dollars for the summer, for crying out loud. It gives a kid a big, huge leg up and also creates your next wonderful employee. So that's my little soapbox right there, business of agriculture. Bring in young people for the summers, pay them a little bit and teach them. They will reward you by coming back to work for you and making you a prosperous company. All right, Jordan Sills, you were very active in FFA. I was the only kid in my family to be involved in FFA. Out of all nine of us, I was the only FFA member. I did soil judging. I learned a little bit about livestock. I I value what I did in FFA. I still, if I see FFA kids in the airport, I might run over and buy their lunch at McDonald's in Chicago O'Hare. I'm a big supporter of FFA. I think it's a great program. What did you get out of FFA that's benefiting you today? I got a lot of experiences through FFA, including um, how to run a meeting properly, how to evaluate livestock. But I think most importantly, FFA instilled in me a work ethic and a drive and a determination to make sure that I was doing the best that I possibly could be doing. And also, it allowed me to understand how to communicate with other people, um, how to finish a task and start a task and be creative in my work as well. The communication is really important. I think that's a, a good thing that you talked about because you did speech, extemporaneous speech. And when you do livestock judging, you have to then, the most valuable part is you stand and deliver information logically defended on why you did what you did and it makes you good on your feet but also it makes you propose an argument that is reasonable that's what i think is neat that you did i didn't do livestock judging at the level you did it's not about putting on meetings or how to run a meeting effectively mm -hmm. you know i go to meetings every week jordan as you know this is my business i go and speak at corporate events agricultural events all over north america and I think putting on a good meeting is extremely important. People say, oh, we got the internet now, we got email, we can do uh, uh, virtual meetings. Nobody actually is as productive because of virtual meetings as when you bring them in, hold their feet to the fire, get them excited, and you know what everybody else forgets? There's a need for everybody to get together and have a drink and BS with one another. There's a human factor to meetings. I've got a little thing here that you brought me. You... As one of your jobs in uh, the Pacific Northwest, helped plan their kickoff meeting. Tell me what you learned. I learned uh, how stressful it can be and how many tiny little details go into planning those meetings. So I have a new respect for event, event coordinators. Uh, when you put on this meeting, how many people came? There, the meeting has not happened yet. It oh. is going to be in two weeks, but there will be 80 people um, in attendance, our sales force, basically, in the western part of the country. And it was your job to go and uh, scout it out and, and take the pictures and say, here's the good thing about this facility, here's the bad thing about this facility, here's what you need to do if we book this thing here. I mean, that was your job, right? You were the recon gal. Exactly. I kind of decided whether we should go ahead with the contract, and after my visit to the location, they decided to. 
When you uh, look back, going back to FFA, since many of the people probably listening to this certainly know about FFA, many of them were members of FFA, uh, you do it all over again. What would you change? Oh, that's a tough question, Damien. You were an officer. Yes. You did I w- speaking. I was, yeah. And you did judging. Hmm. Is there anything you missed? Is there, oh, maybe soil judging. I guess understanding and learning a little bit more about the ag- agronomy side of things would have been valuable for my career path that I've chosen at this point. Yeah, so so far you've worked for Dow two years in a row, two summers in a row, and you're on the crop protection side. Real quickly, and you don't have to speak to this as, uh, as certainly one of the decision makers, mm-hmm. things are happening. We've got consolidations. We know that Monsanto has been bought by Bayer for $62.5 billion. We know that Dow and DuPont merged. There was talk about Dow maybe keeping like the Dow Corning type thing, or I'm sorry, maybe like the Dow consumer goods side, and then DuPont was going to keep the commercial goods side, and then there's going to be something else for the agricultural side. What's going on on that front? Can you tell me? Yeah, so the agricultural side will be called Corteva AgriScience, and uh, that's Corteva, not Corteva or anything like that, okay. but... Um, Basically, what's happening is the, the merger is complete, and at this point, uh, it's three different working parts, but a year from now, there will be three separate entities, so Dow will be on its own, Dow Materials will be on its own, They will there will no longer be a Dow AgriSciences, DuPont will be on its own uh, with its specialty and those kinds of products, and then Corteva AgriScience will be a standalone ag company um, hopefully by June 1st of next year, and it will be the largest uh, manufacturing agriculture company American-owned still. So I'm pretty excited about that part. Oh, well, well you are, but you don't know where you're going to end up yet. <laughs> just, you're, you're a two-time intern. It doesn't mean you're going to stay there. Okay, so the next part of that is, uh, yeah, we see consolidation going on with fertilizer. We've got, what, nutrient, and we got the, the consolidation in chemical. We've got this consolidation going on all over the place. So Corteva is going to be what? It used to be Dow. Got it. All right. You're listening to the Business of Agriculture podcast. You are enjoying it. And we're talking about the future. And I think to get a handle on what the future looks like, I can tell you my predictions, but we also need to talk about the people who are going to occupy that space. That's why I brought in my friend Jordan. She's a 21-year-old soon to be, in fact, in a week, senior at Purdue University in the Agribusiness Management Program. So you look at yourself, Jordan, and your classmates, your friends, people you hang out with that are other 20, 21, 22-year-old students, not even students, maybe they uh, are are just out working in the industry, people that are coming up in this industry, what do you need from us? And us, I think I mean the industry, those people in agriculture that uh, have been here for a while. They're a little older than you. They're here they're ahead of you maybe in terms of promotions, they're uh, in charge of the companies. What do you need from us? I think the number one thing that we need as young people coming into the industry, from the industry, is guidance. The most valuable times of my internships over the past three summers have been when I'm getting taught by somebody that's been in the industry for longer than what I've been in the industry. They've obviously seen more than what I've been able to see. And so I think guidance is the best thing that the industry can give to us young people. Well, that's that's uh, probably dead on. And by guidance, I think you're, you're talking about you know, some training. You're talking about, hey, here's what we do and here's how we've done it. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's nice when it's not in a condescending 
condescending fashion, when it's not, oh, you don't know anything, when it's more of, hey, you probably haven't seen this before, I'd like to show you this, or hey, this is something we saw back 20 years ago, you probably haven't seen it before, uh, you know, from a standpoint of whether it's a crop problem, whether it's a weather problem, whether it's a business issue, that's where I think we can help out the up-and-comers and the future leaders. Jordan, now that you're getting your feet wet in this industry, two internships, for Dow. One internship for me, been raised around it, been an FFA. Your father and mother, agricultural people, have a crop operation, a beef operation. What's ag doing right and what's ag doing wrong? I think that right now agriculture is advancing in the correct ways uh, through technology and the, inv the advancements that we're being able to make and how we're being able to grow more food on less acres or um, get, get our cattle to their end date, their slaughter date, quicker than ever before. I think that we're being extremely efficient in the agriculture industry, and I think that that's what we're doing right. But as far as what we're doing wrong, I think that that is telling our story and telling um, the consumers about how we're doing it right I think that's kind of where the the story gets a little fuzzy is when we are trying to relay it to our consumers. And I think that as an agriculture industry, we, we can do a better job there about telling our story and making sure our consumers know what we're doing is to benefit the, them in the long run. Yeah, I, I talk about that a lot here on the Business of Agriculture podcast, that one thing that we do wrong is we use a lot of facts, we use a lot of science, we use a lot of data, we use a lot of economics. And the truth is consumers are not... Uh, motivated by that, nor in many cases do they even understand that. Uh, not being arrogant or condescending toward the consumer, I'm just pointing out that after all, when you've got a fourth of the population that doesn't know that the solar system uh, revolves around the sun, you're not going to explain to them uh, genetic engineering using uh, science. So we need to use feelings. You need to use touch points. Uh, what matters to them? I say this all the time. you got to think like your customer. What do they see? What do they feel? What matters to them? And I agree with you that that's where agriculture gets it wrong in that we still say things like, well, here's why we cut out needle teeth or here's why we use a fungicide. And the consumer doesn't get that. They just keep hearing, oh, you're abusing the pig or you're poisoning my food. So I think we need to probably just make it more about them. What are they feeling? What are they seeing? And absolutely appeal to their feelings versus trying to explain ourselves from a logic or a science standpoint. In terms of what ag is doing right, you hit on something, and I tell all my audiences, and I want to say it again, our technological advancements rival just about every industry, probably more so than medicine, a little less than what's happening in tech and, say, the, sand, you know, the Silicon Valley. We're using amazing amounts of technology, and we're getting so efficient. It's amazing to see what's happened in agriculture. The one thing that we must always bear in mind, the consumer doesn't care about that. We care about themselves. If we're going to talk about our efficiency, let's be sure we do it always around the environmental story. My listeners are saying, oh my gosh, Damon, you talk about this all the time. I talk all the time because it is our winning, our winning argument. We are efficient with our resources. Therefore, we're good for the environment. Technology makes us use less land, therefore less bulldozing of rainforest. You've got to love agriculture because we all love butterflies. Make it all a feel-good moment. All right, Jordan, you're a young woman, 21 years old, about to be a senior in college, going to enter the industry in May of, uh, of uh, next year. You're working in agriculture. Forty years ago, there were less 
21-year-old girls coming into the business of agriculture. Now we've got farm herders. We've got plenty of females involved in the industry. I go to the meetings. I'm happy to look out there and see a, an audience with tons of females as well as males. What's been your experience? Have you been treated okay? Yes, for sure. I think that that's something that's very unique about our industry is that women are just starting to enter it or um, become a very big part of it and I've never, I've always felt treated equally and I think that um, other women in the industry can probably say, say the same story. I've, I've never heard a negative uh, connotation of that. Yeah, I'm sure that there's obviously examples. We can always find examples where somebody's been mistreated and, and it not even, may not even have anything to do with gender in that regard. But I, I'm very proud of the fact that agriculture is integrated uh, very nicely in terms of the gender mix. And, and, and we need to do that because, uh, you know, we're, we're, yeah, we certainly always think of the farmer being a guy, but that's, that's an old fashioned connotation. You know, old McDonald was a, was a male apparently, but um, there's a Mrs. McDonald also. But in the industry, I'm happy to say that we're seeing a lot of females entering the industry and we need that. Yeah, after all, girls run the world, right? Well, according to you. <laughs> what do you see in agriculture that a person in the generation ahead of you does not? Okay, you're young. You're allegedly a post-millennial, I think is what the media is calling you. What are you seeing that someone that's 40 or 50 years old is not, or 60 or 70 for that matter? What are you seeing that maybe is a little bit not on our radar? I just want to hit again on the technology part because I think that with the way that this world is moving, technology, uh, whether we like it or not, is a huge part of it. And so with the with ag, we need to make sure that we are doing what we can Um to also stay on top of the agriculture side of things. Yeah, I think we're I think we're doing probably a pretty good job of that. And I think it's always good to get a perspective. The one thing that uh, we should all do in the business is make sure you ask somebody. Uh, I remember the most powerful thing I did industrial sales when I was uh, my my final semester before before my final semester. I did an industrial sales internship in Erie, Pennsylvania, for a business owner that uh, it brought in an oil sorbent product uh, and needed distribution needed to put, tell the marketplace, to blanket the marketplace so they knew. And so I just went out and I learned a ton about selling. I learned about this product. And I learned about banging on doors and cold calling and warm calling and prospecting. And I learned so much. And then the last day before I came back to start my uh, college then, the owner sat down and said, Damien, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And I thought, my God, this is really interesting. I'm like a 22-year-old kid and he <laughs> values my opinion. And it is important to get other perspective from a younger person that is looking at the same problem that you're looking at and getting that perspective. So that's why I always do that. And I think we do ourselves a disservice by thinking that just because a person is young doesn't mean that they have a good perspective or even a good idea. Jordan, your biggest inspiration besides me, <laughs> biggest inspiration besides me. If there's nobody, I get it. <laughs> Um, my biggest inspiration, or I guess why I want to be successful, is probably because of my parents, you know. Favorite musician? Favorite musician is hard. I have a plethora of All right, give me, your, give me three of your favorite musicians. Um, it's Red Dirt Country Music, so it's like Reed Southall Band, uh, William Clark Green, Randy Rogers. Those are probably favorite song? I Hope You Dance. That's a good one. Tell me the artist. Leon Lomax. Exactly. I like that. When you worked for me, also, you pointed me to that song that I always liked so much because it's about showbiz called uh, Baby Girl. 
Yes. Oh, that was a great song. I named my first heifer in 4-H, Baby Girl, because of that song. And the, the artist on that is... Sugarland. Yeah, that's right. See, it's a showbiz song about uh, how struggle, how much you struggle and uh, coming up in comedy. I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> Where do you want to live? I'm very open. I, I haven't quite quite figured that out, actually. What are post-millennials like you going to contribute to the business of agriculture? I think um, insights, a fresh set of eyes, and there are actually, contrary to belief, a few of us, or actually a lot of us for that matter, that do have a determination drive to be successful. I don't think there's, I, I think the generational thing is, is uh, interesting. You know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of safe spaces and this whole movement <laughs> toward protecting you from your feelings. I also don't blame the millennials or post-millennials. As I point out, they didn't buy their own trophies. Some adult did that for them. They didn't They didn't make the soccer league where everybody was a winner. Someone did that for them. So uh, don't blame the millennials or the post-millennials. Closing thoughts. Give me something. You're never lost for words. You're a smart young lady. Give me your <laughs> thoughts. Closing thoughts. My closing thoughts is I think that the agriculture industry is looking up. Okay. So after five years of a little bit of commodity price downturn, everybody <laughs> needs to hear that. Why is it looking up? Because I think that we're in a unique place with all of these mergers and everything, every all the movement that's going on right now in the industry. Yeah, I think we're going to be end up being fine. Also, Jordan and I tell everybody, uh, yeah, things are a little bit down. We got some soft markets right now, but this is more than normal. I mean, uh, super cycles where where the prices are way up and people are just you know swinging from the rafters. That's the abnormal. Those are the exception. What we have right now is a fairly normal agricultural environment, and most of the time we've had more production than we actually needed, which is a good problem to have globally and certainly domestically. It's good to have more food than you need. I'm Damian Mason. You've been listening to the Business of Agriculture podcast, where every week we get together and discuss issues impacting the business of food, fuel, fiber, farming. We keep it interesting. We keep it fun. My guest was Jordan Sills. Jordan is a senior at Purdue. I thought it'd be great to get a perspective at back to school time on what is happening in our schools. What do these young people need? What do they look forward to about coming into the industry? What can we do to help them be even more successful to help our industry thrive? Jordan, what's your what's your Twitter handle? Give me an email, just in case somebody's out there saying, God, we need a young person to join our ranks. We need an employee that knows what she knows. Give it to me. My Twitter handle is at Jordan Sills, and my name's spelled with a Y, not an A. Um, my email is jgsills15 at gmail.com, and my LinkedIn is also at Jordan Sills. Jordan Sills with a Y, J-O-R-D-Y-N, Sills like a windowsill with a S on the end of it. This is Damian Mason. Thanks for joining. Until next time, you listen to the Business of Agriculture. Please tune in. I will be here again.